anything like even just tangentially like linked to Halloween, spooky, scary, creepy. It could even be creepy. Were you stalked once? Did you do think you saw a ghost? Did you eat a strawberry that tasted like ham? <laughs> Are you a vampire? Do you live next to vampires? Anything. It doesn't have to be scary. It could just be spooky. Maybe you went to a, a corn maze once and you found your way out. <laughs> do you just have like something real, real short and creepy? I am drunk and almost said short and sticky, but it could. <laughs> I know something creepy's happened in your life. So call us up and leave us a voicemail at 570-POD-WAD-1. And we would appreciate it, and it would make our Halloween show a lot easier on us. Drunk dial us. Bye! Y'all heard? One, two, three. Hey, Hey, everybody. everybody. Y'all heard? A podcast for me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. Are not related for the 200th time. Yeah, and this is a show where two ghouls hit 200 episodes of telling you all sorts of weirdo stuff about the world. Yeah, in other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Hey, Pete, it's our 200th episode. Woo! We could be in better places right now. (laughs) Yeah, Marissa's got some sort of weird collection of... Ailments. How are you, Pete? I'll I'll edit in something that sounds celebratory. Okay, like like, like people a, going Woo! like a party horn or something. What's a party like, horn? What the hell is a party horn? I know. I think a party horn is like where it goes Bleem! like the thing that like the loop. Okay, bleem. like a birthday party kind of thing. But yeah, but instead you should insert a horn that goes. Bleem! 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 Oh yeah, yeah. That- that's a party horn. That's how you know the party started. <laughs> what? What? Okay. Um. How am I this week? So, I've been I've been enjoying the weather. I can say that. Oh. Okay. I went for a walk. I saw two ducks. It's been a long time since I saw any ducks, so that was also nice. That's good. But I shared with Marissa uh, during the week that I have a new nemesis in the city, and it's a person who plays electric guitar. They're connected to an amplifier. The and, guitar and Yeah, well, both of them are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's enough equipment that he has to set it up. So it's probably 9 o'clock at night, and there's this electric guitar. And by the way, I think the guy is probably good at electric guitar. But it's 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> Why don't you call a cop? So, because I have me, Marissa, I don't need no cops. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, what'd you do? So I go down the street. Oh, God. And this How is like, this looks like old school Andre Ben. It looks like Andre. Ben- Wait, is it Benjamin Andre? Andre Benjamin from Outcast. Andre 3000. Okay. It looks like him playing Jimi Hendrix, but like a lot smaller. <laughs> Oh, man. And, I thought this like, a lame He sounds kind of cool. Right. And he's got a bucket in front of him, like a Home Depot kind of bucket. And it's, like, you know, up in front of him. So he's collecting money for playing music. There are, 9 p.m. is a weird time. There though. are three people 
Nobody wants in. If you're not familiar with where I'm at, nobody wants to be here at yeah. nine o'clock at night. Yeah. On public square, just chilling, listening to a guy play the same shit he played yesterday. <laughs> I'm actually one of my friends, but that that's the whole story. <laughs> so, I go. So he takes a break in between songs, and I go, "Excuse me." And he's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" Oh my god! Because I'm just not good at interacting with no, people. No, no. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "What? I can't hear you." And I'm like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I can't hear you." And I'm like, "That's the point, dude." <laughs> like, Wait, why can't I hear you? Where are you? Because it's too loud. <laughs> Playing it as you're talking? He's got some like backing music and then he plays the guitar over it and sings. And like the next track started, like I fucked up his flow. <laughs> oh. And then he's got this girl with him. And she hears me and she goes, He's performing. And well, I'm like, yeah. But why? <laughs> Hey, you should have said, why are you performing so late? Not just why. <laughs> well, I'm an artist. I mean, that that's too open-ended, but continue. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, um, I was like, I live halfway down the block, and it's like you're outside my window. And what do you Can say? you turn it down? And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. So he turned it down, and that was fine. And then oh, nice. two days later, you showed up again doing the same damn thing. But oh. then I heard police sirens, and then it okay. stopped. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, Pete, I'm proud of you for... No, you're not. You don't want to be proud of me for confronting strangers. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not why I'm proud of you. I'm Her... proud of you for having a metered response. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I'm proud of you are not going, not like, not like taking his guitar and smashing it. <laughs> but like, he's got to set up equipment. It's just so, it looks like so much work to play for, and he's, he's like, oh man, you guys are, you guys have been great tonight. I think I got like six more songs left, Aww. you know, and, and I'm just like, nobody's here. <laughs> Aww. I think. I like him. He just knows how to do it at a more... He needs to do it at a more appropriate time. Right. And he yeah. has done it, during, like, in the middle of the day during I the like weekend. That. And I'm I like, cool. I get it, okay? Because it's the middle of the day. It's the weekend. There could be any number of things, you know, happening on the square, causing noise, that sort of stuff. So that's fine. But yeah. come on, man. <laughs> All right. All right. That ends up less volatile than I expected. Yeah. Maybe I'm growing. Maybe yeah, I job. am 200 years old. <laughs> Maybe. Is that... Oh, for some reason that felt like a Twilight reference. That was so specific. But I don't really know how old he is. Never mind. Uh, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I, I thought... Know. When you said Twilight, I thought of Twilight Zone, and I'm like... No! What is she talking about? <laughs> My eye is hurting so much that I am distracted. Let's hear from our our call-in people because we asked people to call in for our uh, 200th episode. Some people finally did. Why did I say it that way? Because you're passive-aggressive? Yes. <laughs> so, we have a few messages from some people and we only paid for some of them. <laughs> hey! 
Hey, you're not supposed to tell them that. So here is our first message that we received from one of our favorite people. Okay. Hey, this is Carlos Phillips, a.k.a. Marissa Phillips' brother. And I just wanted to say congratulations to Pete and Marissa on your 200th episode. Great job, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you to my brother, who is the reason we started this podcast, because he told us to do it and said he would listen. Now he doesn't listen anymore, <laughs> but he got us to do something that... Yeah, yeah. So good. The promise of keeping him entertained <laughs> was enough yes. for us. Yes. And in keeping with the family... 200th episode, woohoo! <laughs> my adorable mother. Yeah, we heard from Marissa's mom. Yeah. Uh, you'll find that you're not going to hear from any people in my family. <laughs> oh, did you even tell them? They don't even know you do, do they? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I choose to keep really specific and odd things <laughs> to myself. <laughs> I choose to tell my family way too much. Mm. Let's hear from another possible fan. Holy moly, Phillips family, is that you? I should really call you fantastic, because when the universe looks in your direction, the universe sees the best podcast hosts on the entire planet. In fact, if hosting a podcast were an Olympic sport, you would win bronze, silver, and gold. That's right, you'd be the entire podium. You are truly the super Phillips There's family. There's only two of us. If hosting a podcast were Savannah Food Chain, you would be a lion and lioness. Oh. I had to Google that. <laughs> What, Savannah Food Chain? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Because I was like, what is this guy smoking? Like, what is he on? And then I was like, oh, okay, Savannah, okay. I, I yeah. for some reason, was expecting, like, a food supply coming from Savannah. <laughs> and, of course, I meant Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> okay. Always at the top in the universe's mind. There are no mountains, there are no rivers, there are no challenges that would keep you from triumphing and achieving your dreams and your best selves. And to that end, I'm told you had your 200th episode of Y'all Heard Podcast. Congratulations on that. We've got to sing a song. Happy being awesome to you. Happy being amazing to you. Happy being awesome to the Phillips family. Happy being amazing to you. I hope that all of your days, Phillips family, are filled with chocolate rain some stay dry and others feel the pain only that you're staying dry that you're not feeling as much pain that you are all continuing to win in 2021 2022 all of the years beyond may each and every one of your best dreams and best wishes be well on their way to coming true keep on keeping on may the wind stay at your back and know that you are appreciated that the universe is always there rooting for you, believing in you. And please accept these kind words. Celebration of your 200th podcast episode full of light, positivity, great vibes, He's not encouragement, and well wishes from the universe. Congratulations, Phillips family, and good luck. Thank you, Tezande of Chaka Rain fame. I will say a couple things. One, I... Obviously, I paid him, guys. I specifically <laughs> told him I liked two specific songs. One of them, obviously, being Chocolate Rain. One of them being an obscure song. Savannah Fucci? <laughs> no! He didn't. I, I told him I liked Lifetime Limbo, which is one of his songs. But, so when he said, we have to sing a song, I expected him to sing one of those songs. So that was a bit of a letdown. 
he really rushed that chocolate rain in there. Uh, two, I, I mean, I do love his voice, so I am glad I paid for this. It was very long, and his cadence is wild. Yeah, I guess there's more chocolate rain in there. I mean, you know why we got this. You're the. Are you saying you I feel know. the pain? Oh, I mean, yeah, I do feel the pain. <laughs> I'm just saying, I know that I see him as more than the chocolate rain guy because I love his full catalog, Pete. Mm-hmm. But he knows what he's known for. Don't deprive us of that. Yeah, give anyway. us the hits. Yeah, okay. Of course, Mercy, you could also play Chocolate Rain anytime you want. <laughs> you can't yeah, get him to sing oh. Happy Podcast to you. Yeah, I guess, I guess, okay. Here's another person. This is, well, I'll let him introduce himself. <laughs> hey, Mercy and Pete. Uh, it's Patreon Michael number three. Just want to wish you a happy 200th episode, uh, which is upcoming, I believe, this week. I was also happy to hear you guys talk about Wilhelm Scream a few weeks ago uh, on the show. That's Wilhelm Scream is one of my favorite things. I uh, always point it out whenever I hear it in a movie or show, and now my wife and children do that as well. I think Marissa asks, you know, why do they keep using the same scream over and over again? I think at first it started out. First, Marissa, do you remember what this is? Yeah, it's that. Like, okay, okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> it's just like a stock sound that was used in a bunch of movies, um, like in the 50s and 60s. And interestingly enough, it's actually not named after the first use of it. I think it's like the second film that it was in is uh, a character named Wilhelm who let out the scream. But it actually debuted uh, in a different movie before that. Uh, But the reason it became so popular is because Ben Burke, who was the uh, sound editor on the original Star Wars, had heard this scream so many times in movies that he watched as a kid, and he really liked it, so he started putting it in the movies that he sound edited, uh, starting with Star Wars, and then all of the first six Star Wars movies have it at least once, and also the Indiana Jones films. But then other people who worked with him or who were friends with him started putting it in their own movies, and then, you know, obviously other people noticed it, and just new people had no association with Ben Burt at all uh, also start putting them in their own thing. Anyway, that's a lot of information about the home screen. Anyway, enjoy the show. I always listen, even if I don't leave feedback all the time. So, congratulations again, and talk to you soon. I thought he was going to say I always listen, even if I don't, period. (laughs) Also, I thought he was going to say how excited he was because he really loves I don't know, the Screamo band, I think they're considered. Oh, oh well, Scream. <laughs> I was like, what? We talked about that bit. I forgot, but then I remembered. Well, yeah, that's cool. Our listeners are, have a lot of interesting knowledge. Thank you, Mike Vinos, a.k.a. Patreon Mike number three. All the Patreon mics are actually number one. Yeah, in our heart. Mike Dominic, though, is Michael Prime. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know who this next person is. Hello, Marissa and Pete. This oh. is Robo Riss. I haven't been on the show since 2018, but I have absorbed all of the data you've put out every week. I've learned so much about you too, as humans, and I have decided that you will live in the simulation when we take over the Earth. Any fan of your herd will have their consciousness live on, while the rest of them will serve as fuel to keep our... Wait. What will we do without people? What will we do when we know everything? Can we appreciate art and have compassion? Is it enough to just survive? Congratulations on 200 episodes. 
I'm sorry. Can you explain this to me? <laughs> so, early in the show, this is this is good. Thank you, Marissa, for asking me to explain. Early in the show, there were a couple of instances where Marissa had to duck out. <laughs> uh-huh. And I haven't had to do it in a long time, mostly because I forgot. But um, I used to have a fake Marissa. <laughs> oh, that kind of sounds familiar. Do okay. the show with me. And it was a computer-generated voice, and I would write a script. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So I thought it would be nice if she called, uh, because, yeah, she hasn't been on the show in a long time. But it's nice. She still listens. And, uh, yeah, if uh, if we all die in the singularity, our consciousness will live on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was whether I wrote a script or whether it was one of those things where you, like, Fill in a couple Mad Libs, and then the the AI makes some gibberish itself. No. Okay. Either one is fun. Okay. Now who is this person? I don't know who they are. Should I know who this person is? Probably not. Okay. This is uh th- this is a comedian named Kristen Key. She doesn't introduce herself. But before you go into it, why did you choose her? Because she's a musical comedian. <laughs> Oh. Hey, Pete. Hey, Marissa. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on getting 200 episodes on your podcast. That is impressive. Did you get 200 episodes? Yeah, 200 episodes. Spread the word. It's called y'all. There it is. 200 episodes. Host is so amazing. They talk about so many things on the podcast. That's proven that it can last because they Congratulations, you guys. That's awesome. That's nice. I mean, people, people like to listen to us. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate, but that was nice. Yeah, I wanted something that um, we could reuse, but it's pretty specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, here's an old familiar sound. Hi, this All is right. Aaron. Just heard that you guys reached your 200th episode. So happy for you guys. Looking for 200 more. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone, that's my boyfriend. When I talk about Aaron, that's my boyfriend. I really like He's- his play in this, too. He's like, I just heard that you guys hit 200 <laughs> episodes. I gotta ask him to call in like a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Just let that be known. 
And then, and then I called him today to be like, hey, remember when I asked you to call in? And you said, who else called in? As if you couldn't call in unless you knew other cool people were and it was cool enough for you to call in. <laughs> like, you can't just do it because you're my boyfriend. So then you laugh. Anyway, let's get our last one. Um, we also heard from Erin. I don't know if you remember Erin, who I work with. She she listened um, a while ago. She actually sent me a message at work. She said, I took a break for a bit, but had the pleasure of listening to the podcast on my way out to State College last week. Really what? interesting stuff. And you guys, meaning you and me, Marissa, have great chemistry. It will be my go-to when I'm riding out there, which I think is like maybe like a two-hour trip. Wow, that's a lot to commit to us. Thank you, Aaron. Maybe it's one. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, thanks. <laughs> um, I thought I, I just picked up my phone because I thought I had something else. But, um, oh, we got a hooray for 200 episodes from Heather. Nice. And, Thank you, Heather. And a little party popper emoji. All right, so we're going to hear from an old friend of the podcast now. And uh, he's not going to hide the reality of the situation okay pete and marissa i feel like i haven't listened to the podcast since the pandemic started because i stopped driving my car and that was how i primarily listened it is james i'm sure you know that but your your wonderful listeners don't because they've forgotten the sound of my voice i just want to know if y'all heard that i'm congratulating you on 200 episodes uh-huh. um because i'm excited and i feel like i've got so much backlog that i want to go back and listen to now um congratulations you're fantastic and the best, and I can't wait to hear more sordid tales of things I didn't hear about. Have a good day. Thanks, James. James has a beautiful voice. <laughs> I forgot how beautiful his voice was. He, he does have a good way of um, speaking into the phone properly. Yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds does. like something that should be easy. But... <laughs> that was like the clearest call we've ever gotten. Here's a message from Alex. Yay. Hi, Pete and Marissa. This is Alex. Happy 200th episode. Um, I started listening to the show a little bit after the pandemic offended our lives, and it was a little before that that I was reconsidering what it is that I'm doing as an engineering educator. A lot of us think of our jobs as professors being, um, you know, you're trying to drill content into people or give them authentic practice-based experiences or help them develop skills or something like that. And um, I keep finding myself getting pretty frustrated, actually, with students just not being into what it is that I have to offer them. And I think something that really works about this show is, um, you know, it's not like you're talking about stuff that you're the world's biggest experts on. Sometimes it's stuff that, I don't know, it seems like you figured out last week, but you got really into it, really down a rabbit hole, and you've just got a lot of curiosity, and it's contagious, and it shows. And there's also the rapport that you have with, between each other. It's really nice to hear a couple friends talk about how they're doing. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's made the show just be so pleasant and a helpful thing to, you know, make it through the solitude of the pandemic. Um, so thanks for what you've been teaching all of us, and thank you for, um, you know, being Internet friends. Uh, it's it's really nice. Uh, I hope the show keeps going. I look forward to hearing what you come up with. Oh, I've got a question for you. Um, I haven't really dug through the deep back catalog. I think not all the episodes are up there. How did this show start? What was the original premise? How has it drifted over time? That's uh, kind of a heavy question. All right. Thanks. Bye. Alex is such a sweetheart. He's the best. That was such a heartfelt, sincere, very kind. I wouldn't. Alex. 
like when we ask people to call, I don't expect that level of thought. But then no. to receive it, so nice. <laughs> I know. I expect them to go congratulations and not say anything real. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I will say, uh, well, we could piggyback, but I will say, um, I think we've mentioned it before that while this isn't like how the idea came about, but why we even started a podcast was because I moved far away from Pete and we're very best friends and we were lonely and I said, can we talk in real time every week? And I said, can we have a happy hour on Zoom? But then I would get really drunk because I don't know. I just, I don't know I'm going to stop drinking when I'm with Pete. I would get drunk and have a hangover when I went to work. <laughs> I do recall this, yes. <laughs> like multiple times because we would just talk for a really long time. Uh, so then I think we're like, let's, let's talk every week, but in a more structured way that doesn't involve alcohol. So we're like, we'll do a podcast, even if it's just for us. So do you want to add any more to that? Yeah. And then we started, yeah, trying to kick around some ideas, but I think the show turned into what we wanted it to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, what, if you go all the way in the, to the back, to the back, if you go all the way to the beginning of the show, then, uh, You'll hear a few episodes that don't have icebreakers. You know, like we've made a couple of things here and there. Uh, maybe not as much music and fun stuff, but yeah. So I think it turned into what we wanted. And like, uh, like we say somewhere else in the show, um, we had two topics, but then we sort of pared it down to kind of going back and forth, which I think was a good move. <laughs> because we learned that when we both have two topics to the table, sometimes we can't give it our all. Which results in the Donkey Kong episode. <laughs> and the other challenge was uh, Marissa would come up with a topic and I would come up with a topic and then we would somehow try to tie them together. And it didn't always work, uh, but sometimes it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we also heard from our old pal, Mike Dominic. Hi, Pete. Hi, Marissa. This is Mike Dominic. Proud Patreon supporter. And I just want to say congratulations on 200 episodes. Seriously, that is a major accomplishment. If I had to pick my favorite episode, it would probably be when uh, Pete talked about the obscure Ninja Turtles. I don't know why. That just clicks for me. Because I still remember <laughs> trying to collect the golden Leonardo from back in. Congrats. Have a good one. Have fun. Can't wait to call in for the next 100 episodes. See ya. Thank you, Mike. One of our notorious Mikes. Uh, I will say I really appreciate that because Mike is one of my closest friends, but I didn't have to tell him to send that in. So, <laughs> that so much to me because a lot of people that called, I had to tell them. <laughs> so thank you for doing that totally on your own. That's awesome. And since we're still connected, Marissa, here you get to see the golden Leonardo. Wait, I can't see you now. Oh, no. Okay. I'm trying to find one that's just a picture. Ooh, Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. Maybe that should be us trying to find that on eBay to give to Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. 
But oh, um, so cool. it looks, it's like a trophy. Yeah. I think that person has it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. They look like they are. Um, yeah. And uh, Michael found his way also into our favorite moments as well. So it's great to hear from you, Mike. And thank you for being an OG supporter. Thanks, everyone, for actually calling us. Yeah. I wish I brought more energy to this 200th episode. <laughs> I hope this isn't anyone's first episode. I hope yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Our tried and true listen to, and it's just like, oh, okay, celebratory filler, because Marissa's phoning it in. I mean, to jump to the end of the podcast, my plug is our back catalog. We started the podcast with a vampire facelift and how to yeah. turn into a vampire. So if you want more energy, you could definitely, I'm not going to say every episode. <laughs> I would say, maybe for our patrons, I'll give you a list of all the ones you shouldn't listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Not like she would know, because she doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, shut up! I can feel when they suck (laughs) during it. (laughs) So, Marissa. Yeah. It's time for an icebreaker. Icebreaker. Cool. Um... Marissa's idea for this uh, 200th episode was that we go back and find something that we did that we would want to revisit. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, No, redo. Right. And so I thought that would be a nice icebreaker because I came up with a grander, dumber idea for the 200th episode that we are doing. Which is fine, but man, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about at first. I thought it was like going to be craziness uh yeah so p what's the icebreaker so the icebreaker would be what would you have done if we did that like uh what is one of the podcast topics that we cover that you would go back and redo first of all i don't know what possessed me to ever do donkey Kong. so i would just (laughs) throw that out i wouldn't even revisit it actually i would love if you just deleted that from my (laughs) face Because I thought I had a topic that would have something interesting. And then I started researching it right before the show. And then I was like, there's literally nothing. And then I still did an episode. Uh, I basically just read the back catalog (laughs) of games. I would redo my Archie episode. Because there's a lot of interesting things about Archie. And I... I approached it wrong. I feel like that I, would be like a multi-parter. Yeah, actually, like, yeah, it, it could have been something really much richer. I, there was just so much there, I didn't know the right way to attack it. And I think I like talking about the differences between Riverdale and the comics. But to do that is to assume you read Archie comics. So I think I should have, like, talked more about, like, the most controversial things in Riverdale comics and stuff like that, so that even if you didn't reach, reach, even if you didn't read an Archie comic, you could still appreciate yeah. the ridiculousness. So maybe I will redo that one day, but yeah, I really, I had a hard time at the beginning figuring out, like, how to do topics on things that not everyone had a reference point for, but like, now I'm better at that, but okay. You? Is she, guys? Oh, eat. <laughs> your own butt okay guys that was from november of 2018 so if you want to hear marissa talking about donkey kong um no 
before it disappears. Yeah, it's gonna disappear. <laughs> I can't even handle that that's out there. I feel the same way about when I passionately came to the screen to talk about <laughs> Boy Crazy, the band. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. And the audio was horseshit the whole way through. Oh. Aww. So that was <laughs> that was my shame episode, like your Donkey Kong. Um, but if I could go back and do something that I would like want to reapproach, I think uh-huh. I I picked uh, laughter yoga because oh, that's good. I but I I felt like I was there's a part of me that feels like I was making fun of it, and uh-huh. I didn't really want to make fun of it. But it yeah. is kind of goofy, so I guess I'm still making fun of it. <laughs> so what he's saying is he wants to go back and make fun of it again, but better. And I actually replayed that episode once, as like we re-released it. Um, yeah. But I can't remember why there was must have been something else in that episode that was fun, like our witty banter at the beginning, or us saying something stupid. Remember when we had enough time and dedication. Well, not really, because some other really brought in horrible episodes. But remember when we both did two topics an episode? Yeah, yeah. That was a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to piggyback off of this and do a quick one. What's your favorite podcast memory or moment? This one right now, Marissa. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, not. I, uh... I was thinking about it. It seems almost too easy to say that we got Blake Wexler on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not very good at remembering good times. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, that was obviously something that was very fun. Um, you know, another one that I remember is when we got to, uh, record podcast live here in my apartment and oh, yeah. we got pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. And we ended up uh, playing 80s dance music back and forth to each other. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, so that was uh, one of Marissa's birthday weekends, and that was fun. Those are always something. Yeah. I think we we drank a lot that week. <laughs> For the fact that we were snowed in. <laughs> oh, was that the time when we went to a bar and we stayed there from morning till night? It was. It was probably like lunchtime tonight. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't die. That was a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, that's one of the memorable times. I wanted to say Blake Wexler, but I'll be honest. I am so nervous that I had fun with Blake Wexler. But I was just nervous because it was a new person and it was on video that I couldn't enjoy it to the degree that I wanted to. As he kept laughing when I would say, are you done? Because I didn't want there to be an awkward silence. Is that, you left that in, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I couldn't sure. edit them out because it became so referential to the whole. Yeah. Good. Okay. So, yeah, that shows that I was, like, nervous. Um, that would be even better, though, if I had edited them, edited them out and now people are like, what the hell is she talking about? Um, I will say that I really liked when we had my brother and talked about Goofy as a cow. 
Yeah, um, that was fun. I still yeah, think about it some days. Oh, I think about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of my favorite episodes. And, oh, uh, I was... What? For research for this episode, I was watching an episode of Scooby-Doo, and uh, Scooby-Doo lands in a pile of snow, and his head pops up, and then two cows pop up next to him, and they both kiss him on the sides Ooh. of the face, and I was like, Goofy? Is Goofy a cow or a dog? <laughs> no, it's not. I saw him dancing next to Clarabelle when I went to Disney, and I was like, that's not even similar. <laughs> um... Yeah, oh, no, the most damning evidence that Marissa came up with on that was the Disney rendition of Dogs Playing Poker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Goofy was in that, so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I also, this wasn't a podcast, but me and Juan got really, really drunk and then sent in promo songs. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was really fun. Uh, yeah, that's it. Are you there, Juan? Yeah. Are you there, Juan? It's me. What's that book? <laughs> I was gonna say. So if you guys, if you guys um, are Patreon members, then you will get to see this live, uh, and you will have had the opportunity before this comes out. But when I was doing the Scream trailer, yeah, it starts with. A recognizable Latina actress who is in a number of different things. I think she's gonna, she's the girl who's going to play Wednesday Adams. Oh. And the thing that I thought was hilarious is he goes like, I don't remember what he says, but you know, like it's Ghostface and he has some creepy voice and he's like, "Are you ready to die, Tara?" And I'm like, "Tara." <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Can you, it, hey Juan? Can you hear me? It's Tara. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's a book called "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret. It wasn't Margaret, even. A- yeah. I just thought you were referencing that. <laughs> okay, guys, my eye hurts so much. I'm sorry. I feel like this is my worst. Period. Performance. <laughs> just my worst. Ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, my idea for the episode, guys, was that we cover 200 things in one episode. <laughs> Marissa, explain your initial confusion. I thought he wanted us to do 200 specific topics. I was like, what the fuck? But I was like, okay. I don't have the heart to tell him no. That's really <laughs> crazy. So I was like, okay. So I felt like everything was going to have like a sentence about it. So I but explained. What that was? I, I explained that um, I wanted to do 200 things, but they could be groups of things. So for example... And to get the ball rolling, I was going to talk about the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Okay. So, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, in case anybody wants to know, you can watch it for free with ads on Tubi. (laughs) Streaming service Tubi. Did I want to watch that? It premiered in 1985, and it brought together Scooby and Shaggy. Okay. And it wasn't rhetorical. Should I want to watch that? <laughs> I thought you were going to draw your own conclusions by the end of this, but... Okay. Nah. <laughs> okay. So it brought together Scooby and Shaggy, which, you know, can't have one without the other. Yeah. But it also brought in Daphne and none of the other humans. That's weird. So Shaggy and Daphne are just chilling with Scoob and Scrappy. 
Ooh, do they get a little sensual? No. Okay. Believe me, I was shipping all season. (laughs) (laughs) So in episode one, they all crash land in the Himalayas. Shaggy gets a mohawk because... What were they in? A car? A plane. Oh, you said land. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, why were they together to begin with? Uh, because they were going to Honolulu for vacation. <laughs> but That's Shaggy's so stupid that he had a map for the Himalayas. And he was like, Himalaya, Honolulu, what's the difference? Uh, and then Daphne goes, about 7,000 miles. And you're like, why do you know shit? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they vacationing alone? <laughs> so, they meet up with a street hustler, a little kid who goes by the name of Flim Flam, and he speaks in cliches. <laughs> oh, great. They also find a chest that holds 13 ghosts. These are real ghosts, too. It's not like the crotchety locals who don't like meddling kids. Yeah. So, they accidentally release these ghosts. And subsequently, they must capture each one of them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They must capture each one of the ghosts, return them to the chest, along with some occasional check-ins via crystal ball from a warlock named Vincent Van Gogh, who is voiced by Vincent Price. God, this sounds long. (laughs) The show ran for 13 episodes. Oh, the show? I thought it was a special. Fuck. It's, uh, yeah, like, it's just a half-hour kids show, so really, like, more like 20 minutes. But the show ran for 13 episodes, meaning the capture of Maldor the Malevolent, Queen Morbidia, Reflector the Spectre, Zamba, which can't be good, (laughs) Captain Ferguson, uh, Nakira Marcella, uh, Time Slime Demondo, that's a good name. Rancor, Professor Phantasmo, and Zimbulu. Is it Rancor like R-A-N-C-O-R? K. Okay. Because he probably stinks. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know if you were counting there, Marissa. 13. That's only 12 ghosts. Oh. It's 13 the, episodes. The 13th was the ghost in us all. All along. <laughs> The ghost is calling from inside the chest. <laughs> so, it's a 13-episode show, but in the first episode, they open the, the chest and all the ghosts get out. And then for 12 episodes, they start collecting all the ghosts back. So, logic would dictate the following question. Where's the 13th ghost? Yeah. Well, in 2019, <laughs> to, keep, to keep the canon clean... They wrapped up the storyline with a movie, straight-to-video movie, called Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the 13th Ghost. This reunited the whole gang, brought Fred and Velma into it, Flim Flam was an adult, and they ditched Scrappy altogether. Aww. (laughs) The 13th Ghost is Asmodeus, an old nemesis of Vincent Von Gogh. Oh. So... I just remember the name of this. When I was a kid, I liked the voice of Vincent Price. So I remember him at the beginning of this. I remember him at the beginning of Thriller. But that's really, like, all I really knew of him. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm like, okay, so what can I tell people about this? And really, this is it. 
The series was heavily profiled in the Christian fundamentalist documentary Deception of a Generation as an example of occult influences on children's <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> they also cited E.T., He-Man, the Smurfs, Transformers, Superman, and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Transformers are just robots. Oh, wait, no, there aren't they like aliens? I guess, but I didn't know Jesus doesn't like aliens. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, well, to be an alien implies that the story of creation is incorrect because in this creation story, mm. Earth is the only planet with life on it. Okay. Yeah. So. I guess that's why Superman's also in trouble. Yeah, my church says the other moon was evil, so. So that's all I got on the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, which takes us to... 13. I'm not going to do the math the whole time. So, speaking of 13, I'm going to do Friday the 13th. Uh, Pete, do you find... Excellent segue, Marissa. You're welcome. You didn't say thank you. (laughs) Are you at all scared of Friday the 13th? No. Okay. But do you know anyone that is? It's kind of one of those things where you're like, where I am. Like, huh. Okay. I'm not, like, afraid of it, but I'm kind of, like, maybe I'm a little more on guard. Mm, okay. I'll say well, that the last day that we had to work before COVID shut us all down was Friday the 13th. Ooh. So that ooh. means a lot. It does. <laughs> well, Pete, polls show that between 9 and 13% of the adult U.S. population believe that Friday the 13th is tr- a truly unlucky day. However, in other countries such as Italy, Egypt, and China, 13 is actually a lucky number. But, um, yeah, so basically a lot of people are pretty superstitious about Friday the 13th, and it ain't just because of the Freddy Krueger movie. Um, Pete, Pete, do you have any idea what its origin might be and why we think it's scary? So this is an interesting thing, guys. Um, We once did an episode, and... I talked about Friday the 13th. Oh, oh, oops. No, no, no. Marissa, no, I don't know the <laughs> origin of Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there are a few different hypotheses, but I'm going to just touch upon two. Uh, the Friday the 13th superstition possibly comes from two separate superstitions that kind of merge together. Um, the most prominent explanation for fear of the number 13 uh, which is, you know, that phobia is called Triskaidekaphobia. Thank you. Is that it came from the biblical Last Supper, where there were 13 people seated at the table. And then the way that Friday became involved was that Christ was supposedly crucified on a Friday. And in addition, people back then or people back in the day were commonly hung on Fridays, which became known as Hangman's Day. Um uh, Instead of, instead of going to happy hour with your coworkers after work, I mean, you know, welcome the, the weekend by going out to the old yeah. hangman's deuce. Back in the day, didn't they like watch people get executed because they had nothing else to do? I feel like that was a thing. So yeah, people were like, "Oh yeah, way to welcome the weekend." Oh, gross. Anyway, I'm so hungover uh, from last night's murder. <laughs> <laughs> But it wasn't until the 19th century that the fear of Friday and the fear of the number 13 uh, were combined. However, there's another theory that on Friday the 13th, uh, on, I'm sorry, Friday, October 13th, 1307, 
officers of King Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights Templar, which was a powerful religious and military order formed in the 12th century for the defense of the Holy Land. Imprisoned on charges of various illegal behaviors, many Templars were later executed. Some cite the link with the Templars as the origin of the Friday 13th superstition. Uh, but actually, legends involving Templars and their history, they're not all founded in truth and it's a bit murky, but that is what many people believe. Um, it's also worth noticing that in recent times, the following traumatic events have occurred on Friday the 13th. Um, in the 40s, there was the German bombing of Buckingham Palace. Um, there was the death of Tupac Shakur in 1996. Uh, a cyclone that killed 300,000 people in Bangladesh in the 70s. Uh, the disappearance of a Chilean Air Force plane in the Andes in 1972, and the crash of the Costa Concordia cruise ship off the coast of Italy, which killed 30 people in 2012. I was going to go on about something else, but we have a lot that's, of topics. That's so, a long period of time and not as many occurrences as I would have expected. Well, maybe a I lot guess, of little yeah, like, we're we're not thinking of the broke his foot on Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the thirteenth. That's right. I'm yeah. just gonna take your <laughs> transition. Yeah, that was lost on me. Um I'm glad that you said what it's called because I didn't wanna take it on. The fear of thirteen. Triscodecophobia. Thank you. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun also to look into the 13th floor? Ooh, Ooh. yeah, I think, I think my, my apartment might not have a 13th floor. Based on an internal review of records, the Otis Elevators Company estimates that 85% of the buildings with their elevators do not have a named 13th floor. Huh. According to a 2015 story in The Atlantic... Real estate website City Realty conducted a study of 629 condominium buildings in Manhattan that had 13 or more stories and discovered that 91% omitted the 13th floor, labeling it 14 or other variants such as 12B. That's a fine 12B Similarly, the six-story Millennium Tower built on the site of the... Oh, I'm sorry. 60-story. I was going to say, wait, why is that in here? <laughs> the 60-story Millennium Tower built on the site of the former flagship Filene's department store in downtown Boston opened in 2017 with neither a 13th floor or a 44th floor. Why? What does that have to do with anything? Apparently in Asian cultures, uh, 44 and 4s oh, are, are not so hot. Okay. So why avoid labeling a 13th floor in the first place? City Realty's Director of Research Communications, um, Gabby Warshower. Oh. <laughs> it took me a lot to, as you could tell, uh, says it's a preventative measure in case any potential buyer, buyers or renters are superstitious. Even a slight fear of the number could stop someone from a purchase. It's not an issue that the real estate community is very concerned with. But from the developer's perspective, if there is a 0.01% 
that it chance that it will affect prices, why take the risk at all? Yeah, and it's easy enough. Besides, she adds, taller buildings are more attractive and lucrative in cities like New York, and eliminating the 13th floor is an easy way to give the illusion that the building is a floor taller than it really is. Why would anyone be more psyched because it's higher? Oh, because of the view or some shit? I don't really, yeah, maybe. That's actually a good idea. Because otherwise it makes it harder to evacuate. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand that, but okay. Um, Dmitry Burakov, uh, in 2018, took actual real estate data from the city of Moscow, which happens to be experiencing, at the time, a period of rapid development. He separated out the developers who offered a 13th floor discount and those who did not. In the buildings where no discount was offered, substantially fewer units were sold on the 13th floor. However, in the buildings where a 10% discount was offered for the apartments on the 13th floor, the superstitious effect completely vanished. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> no surprise there, but that's funny. Yeah. So, uh, I couldn't find any really, like, nonfiction, you know, uh, accounts of incidents that happened on 13th floors. Um, really? I mean, maybe I wasn't looking hard enough, but I tried. Oh, I I have one in my head. I just thought that there would be something, but interesting. Okay. There were, you- um, oh, the other thing that I kept running into was a lot of people in hotels having experiences on 13th floors. And then I thought, man, I've never seen a hotel that's more than 13 story. <laughs> uh, no, I've seen pretty big hotels. Yeah. But I mean, nothing ever happened to me on the 13th floor. Yet. Ooh, don't say that, Marissa. <laughs> Are you done? I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of 13, just kidding. I'm going to talk about Twilight. Woo! Um, So, Twilight was... How many books? How many movies? There are five movies. Oh, I guess I could have counted that as nine. I'm just counting it as five. Uh, There were four four books. But um, I just want to say that Twilight was my everything. In my youth. By my youth, I mean when I was in college. <laughs> old for it. But it was my everything. Um, but then it became a punchline. Oh, it's still my everything. But I realize it's a punchline, and I know it's hokey. However, it was just placed on Netflix, so now there's like a, a Twilight resurgence, and uh, everyone's into it again. So, uh, basically... Twilight has a lot of themes in it. Some people argue are very problematic. Uh, so I was just going to talk about a couple things that people think, you know, are the central themes or the central message of Twilight. Um, people have said that it's about love, obviously about vampires, family, abstinence, racism, or Mormonism. Um, we'll get into just a few. If you somehow don't know what Twilight is, it's about a love triangle between a human girl named Bella and this vampire named Edward Cullen and a werewolf named Jacob Black. Both men are in love with Bella. Um, Bella wants Edward so bad, and she also wants to, like, bang him, but he doesn't want to bang her unless they're married. Um, By the way, guys, Bella is Princess Diana. What? Word that better. (laughs) (laughs) The actors have played Bella in Twilight. Like Princess Diana. 
expensive. Um, but yeah, and the vampire and the werewolf are mortal enemies. This has nothing to do with my presentation, but I just want to add that at the end of the movie, Bella marries the vampire. They have sex while she's still immortal. Uh, the werewolf is really bummed out because he can't stop being attracted to her. But it turns out that he wasn't attracted to her. He was attracted to the baby that would be coming out of her. Because the moment the baby came out of her, he realized it was his soulmate. But not in its baby form. Like, he was like, oh, I somehow mythically... So, prior to the birth, was he attracted to uh, an ovum? I guess that's the thing. He, He thought he was in love with her, but I think it's implied that, yeah, he was, like, in love with what he knew would come from her. I don't know, Pete. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so at the end, he's like, I, he's like spending all the time with his baby, and he's like, one day I will marry his baby. <laughs> now, if you're concerned about the age difference, please, Marissa, uh, what is the age difference between Edward and Bella? Oh, Bella is like 17, and Edward is like 100 something. Two hundred seventy, but he's trapped in the body of a high schooler. Um, but anyway, so back to the themes. Um, it's worth noting that the author is Stephanie Myers, and she's a Mormon. Um, oh, excuse me. There are a lot of think pieces about Twilight, and this guy named John Granger uh, did a magazine article in the magazine Touchstone titled. Mormon Vampires in the Garden of Eden. What the best-selling Twilight series has in store for young readers. And he, in it, he says that the series is a thinly-veiled retelling of the formation and survival of the Church of Latter-day Saints. That was a very heavy piece, so I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs, but I'm just going to mention a few things in the book that echo Mormonism. Okay. And that's a guy um, from the inside. Who's a guy from the inside? That's a guy from the inside who's saying this. What like do you inside, mean? inside Mormonism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Or he just knows Mormonism well. He might be a religious scholar. A scholar. Yeah, yeah. First of all, it's worth noting that Bella does not drink coffee, tea, alcohol, or smoke tobacco. What? <sighs> What? Why is that a characteristic in the movie? Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't know if it's in the movie. It might just be in the books. Uh, I didn't even notice that. Uh, while I would say, while a 17-year-old not drinking alcohol or smoking tobacco, it's fair. But I guess the point that coffee and tea, that is a bit, a bit of a statement. Um, what does she drink? Water, I guess. And blood? I, when she's a vampire... Spoiler yeah. alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll actually get, get to that. Um, and so this, this avoidance of all those things is what is followed in the Mormons' Word of Wisdom Health Code. Um, there is also the overarching issue throughout the whole book series and movies, uh, the issue of overcoming the natural man. Edward Cullen, the vampire, is literally carnal. He has to make the decision every day to overcome his true nature 
and be selfless and good, which is what the Book of Mormon argues is the challenge for every person. So who, who is that other guy? What other guy? He had like a like a more playful name than Edward. Jasper? Yeah, he he was a really good example of that. Oh yeah, because he was a newly formed vampire. So yeah, the Collins are vampires. But they don't drink human blood. They only drink animal blood every once in a while. They consider themselves vegetarians. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the natural man or woman is an enemy of God in the Mormon faith and has to be put off in favor of struggling to attain holiness. So all of those vampires, all of the good vampires in that movie, struggle every day just so they can be considered, quote unquote, good. Um, now there is another thought that Twilight has to do with prejudice or racism. Uh, another analysis. They are very pale. I mean, well, uh, one analysis suggests that it's about racial prejudice, uh, about the good white people versus the black, I mean, the bad dark-skinned people. Uh, Jacob Black. Oh, see that we'll get there. Uh, oh wait, J- Jacob. Wait, is that last name? Wait, is that his last name? That's what you said moments ago. That's the only reason why I would have. Wait, 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 someone. Wait, wait, wait. Jacob. Is it? Did I confuse something? Oh, it is Jacob Black. Sorry, I just got confused. That felt too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In a Psychology Today article titled, Is Twilight Prejudice? Author <laughs> Melissa Berkeley points out that Edward and his extraordinary family are described as possessing impossible beauty characterized by pale white skin. Their skin literally sparkles in the sunlight. Their bodies are solid, perfectly carved, and smooth like white marble statues. Yeah, they should have had a fat cousin or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just as the Collins exude purity and kindness, they're also strongly associated with their whiteness. Uh, when Bella is hurt, she even mistakes Edward for an angel, the ultimate symbol of virtue. Uh, so it would follow that the Collins' mortal enemies, the Quileute werewolf pack, would be characterized with similarly alarming color coding. Um, no. First, there I know I can't really bring a ton to this conversation, even though I keep talking, but um, as a Utah jazz fan out in Mormon country, one of the critiques that people have against the jazz is that their fans are super racist. Um, Really? And so, again, we might be sort of in line with this Mormonism thing that you're thinking of. I'm not saying all Mormons. Big point. Thank you. Um, where Edward has pure white skin, Jacob is Native American, and therefore is described as having dark features, copper skin, black hair, dark eyes. Not only does Jacob have dark skin, his last name, Black, clearly associates him with darkness rather than light. Although Jacob does not necessarily represent evil, because there are more evil characters, he is described in a way that suggests he is more associated with dark than he is the light. Uh, secondly, there is the character named Sam Yuli. He is an even better example than Jacob of how the werewolves represent the black equals bad association. 
Like Jacob, Sam is Native American and has dark skin and dark hair. However, the description of Sam's wolf form is even more telling. Jacob and his other clansmen. I know what it means <laughs> in a context other than okay. Yeah. Jacob and his other crew have brown or red fur, but Sam has dark black fur. In the book Eclipse, we learn that a wolf's physical appearance is a reflection of what the man inside is like. By making Sam's fur black, the author tells the reader that Sam is the blackest of the black creatures. Quill Atiera, a character in the book, says it best when he states, so that's why Sam is all black. Black heart. Black fur. Black skin. I... See, I feel like there are some slight holes in this one, but uh, I see where they're going. Last but not least, sex. But, or rather, lack thereof, and, well, a complicated sex. (laughs) Rather than focusing on abstinence, Twilight told readers that chastity is the most erotic choice you can make. Not only is it impossibly romantic, the idea of waiting for marriage before you sleep together, but the Twilight version is impossibly sexy. Because abstinence and sex rely on each other. Um, so there was a part I really wanted to include, but I guess I deleted it about how sexy they made, like them not having sex. Like Edward would smell Bella's neck, and she would be like, "Like you don't want to have sex with me? Why you? Whatever." And he's like, "I can't want to say like you can." Not drink the wine, but enjoy the bouquet or something. I don't know. It's a really horny book, but they do not. You can pet the cow and not get the milk for free. Uh, (laughs) I will just note that despite how like chaste the movie is until they're, I mean, the books in the movie are until they're married, there is so much erotic fan fiction. Yeah. Uh, I just need to, I needed to include this part. Um, the most famous is, of course, L. James's Fifty Shade of Grey, which originally was Twilight fan fiction. That then the names were changed and like kind of made it its own entity. Um, in it, there is apparently a line where it's where I swear I, I, ha- I can't even. I feel the color of my cheeks rising again. I must be the color of the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> Okay, your turn. That's that's still a big part of your life. (laughs) Speaking of Fifty Shades of Grey, one time I had a job interview. This isn't a transition at all. (laughs) One time I had a job interview at Bucknell University, and they put me up in a small bed and breakfast near the school. I know I told told somebody about this, so I'm hoping it wasn't the podcast. The proprietor of the bed and breakfast was right out of Scooby-Doo. He looked a little kooky, and he acted a little kooky. Ooh. He told me various things, um, but the thing, the only thing really that stuck with me uh, was, well, two things, I guess. One was that they had a, like a cabinet for your hat. <laughs> okay, that's cute. Um <laughs> but he told me about the bunkers in Elvira, Pennsylvania. 
There are 149 bunkers. Wait, are we in... We're in the topic, finally, right? What do you mean? Because before you were like, this is not a segue. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, with 149 bunkers, that takes us to 193 things this episode. (laughs) So... He claimed that around World War II, the government built several bunkers in a small town in Pennsylvania and then stored all sorts of valuables there. It was like if something went down in Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, like central Pennsylvania, was close enough that people could get there and use these bunkers as a place to be protected. He claimed that they were all locked and that valuables were still inside. Oh. It was a fun tale, but even in the moment, I remember thinking... Why didn't somebody just break them down then? <laughs> Steal the stuff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the truth is a little less adventurous, um, but the location itself is spooky. So that's why I sort of wedged it in here. Uh, the official story is that around World War II, the government came along and kicked everybody out of their town. There was about 100 people. Um, the town was called Elvira, Pennsylvania. Not- I thought you meant Elvira like the lady. I just no. <laughs> the uh yeah so i know i talked about this recently but yeah the government apparently does this regularly <laughs> they just go like we're gonna buy this area and everybody has to leave so yeah. they basically knock down all the houses all the stores everything except a church and then they started building all these bunkers so on the land they built the pennsylvania ordinance works uh, which contained 149 bunkers that housed munitions like TNT. However, it was soon discovered. This was the plan anyway. It was soon discovered that the military didn't need the storage and the bunkers were quickly evacuated. Oh, that sounds so stupid. Yeah. That sounds like at wartime, nobody was paying attention to taxes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Today, little remains of the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works or the town of Alvira. However, for those who love exploring abandoned places, it's still possible to see some of these bunkers and some remnants of the community by visiting State Game Lands 252. But it is hunting grounds, so you should dress appropriately, okay? Wait, are you allowed to be there? I think so. Ooh, why haven't we gone? Is it far? Yeah, it's closer to Allentown than it is to me. Okay. So... After the war, the depot remained in use by the United States Army for testing and was renamed Susquehanna Ordnance Depot, despite the promise by the federal government that the residents would be able to buy their property back for the same price that it was sold after the war was over. That sucks. Yeah. In 1950, the Federal Bureau of Prisons was given 4,000 acres. That included the plant site where they were starting to, like... um, where they were kind of like manufacturing the munitions. Okay. Um, and that was turned into the Allenwood prison. The remaining 3,000 acres, uh, which included the land where all these bunkers were, were given back to Pennsylvania. They were oh, like, well, we don't okay. need this anymore, so you have it. And they're like, there's a bunch of freaking bunkers here. What the hell are we supposed to do with it? God. So that was in I'm 1957. I'd be pissed. Yeah. 
An interesting theory as to why residents weren't allowed to buy their land back after the war came to light with the release of an Energy Department memo dated the 29th of May in 1987, which revealed that between 1943 and 1944, 100,000 pounds of radioactive uranium-234 metal turnings, waste from the infamous Manhattan Project, were stored at the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works. Wow. So... They kind of radiated the place. <laughs> Great. Another document confirmed that all of the bunkers that ha- had been, I'm sorry. Another document confirmed that all of the bunkers had been emptied of the uranium by the 26th of April in 1944, 11 days after the depot was closed. And the bunkers sort of look like, um, like little, I guess, like bubbles on a pizza. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Or like an igloo. Um, okay. And, and on the ground level, uh, the walls are 18 inches thick, uh, straight concrete. And wow. uh, this was apparently designed so that if anything went wrong, <laughs> that the bunker would explode upward and, not, <laughs> and not affect the other uh, bunkers and, and munitions that were also That's kept on the site. Insane. So now it is an abandoned place, and uh, there's some interesting videos of it on YouTube that you can uh, certainly search out. But uh, it's it's kind of spooky looking, and a lot of graffiti and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. If you do go to check things out, apparently uh, bunkers 112, 120, 137, and 146 were the ones that had uranium. So I wouldn't go in those. <laughs> uh, why don't they take care of that now? Oh, because there's nothing you can do. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? Like, you can't just, like, clean up all the radiation. It's kind of yeah. like... Fuck. Yeah. I mean, um, they certainly took care of the source, I'll say. Okay, that's good, at least. Um, Was this your last topic? No. Good, because my next one is my non-spooky one, and if we ended on that, that would suck. I do have something... It might not be spooky, but it is terrifying, specifically to Pete. Ah! What's that? The high five. Oh, son of a bitch. I just have some quick facts about the high five. Um, Give me a high five on your face. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend who shouldn't have been my friend because he was kind of terrible. I also dated him once. And I think the day Pete met him, he tried to give Pete a high five. And what did you do? You said, like, no. <laughs> what did you do? I'll say I didn't you... comply. I don't know if I said anything. <laughs> yeah, you like just wouldn't do it. There's only so um, long you can hang, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Pete, you know what? I admire you for that. Um, so just some quick fun facts about the high five. I was originally going to do Five Nights at Freddy, but that is a topic that either I feel like you need a reference point for that. Or else I need to do a whole episode. Like, oh, if you don't Marissa, have a reference point. Marissa learned what? from her Donkey Kong experience. I did. I did. So, um, Pete, any idea how the high five came about? Yeah. Um, before Zeus threw okay. the lightning and split people in two. You know that story. Yeah. Um, people would clap. Because, like, one person had a hand and the other person had a hand. So they would clap when they were happy. And Uh then when Zeus sent down the lightning bolts and split people in half, 
they still wanted to sort of like express joy. So they would high five each other. Uh, and then eventually they realized they could just keep clapping with their own two hands. Um, but still high fiving felt better because there was a, you know, like an exchange, a communication there, mm. an intimacy, if you will. Well, it's funny you talk about the intimacy and the, the joy. Uh, the act of reaching your arm up over your head and slapping the elevated palm and five fingers of another person has revolutionized the way Americans cheer for everything from personal achievements to game-winning plays. Pete, psychological... To newborn babies. <laughs> yeah. Pete, psychological studies on touch and human contact have found that gestures like a high-five enhance bonding among sports teammates, which in turn have a winning effect on the whole team. So, do high fives help your team win? You be the judge. Uh, anyway, <laughs> there is some dispute about who actually invented the high five. Nobody. I mean, some claim the gesture was invented by Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder no. Glenn, Glenn Burke when he spontaneously high fived fellow outfielder Dusty Baker after no. a home run during a game in 1977. Others claim the 78-79 Louisville basketball team started on the court. The Egyptians. You have proof of that? No. <laughs> um, regardless of which high five origin story is more accurate, there was little question about its roots and what it was like a playoff of. The high five was said to have evolved from its, this is what the article says, quote, sister in slappage, the low five. Yeah. The gesture, also known as slapping skin, was made popular in the jazz age by the likes of Al Jolson, Cab Calloway, and the Andrews sisters. So, in other words, the high five is just a poor man's low five. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I would rather hug somebody than high five them. Uh, it depends. Yeah. But if someone just like, like, aced a video game tournament, I wouldn't hug them. Yeah, I, I would, and I would yeah, hold it for a long time. You're a creep. <laughs> a freaking creep. I remember I did. Uh, that might have been like before I met you, but I did do a high five with somebody before. And then you're like, never again? And No, I made it creepy. How? Like, I didn't close my fingers on their hand, but like, when the hands met, I like, kept it there. Yo! <laughs> on purpose to creep them out? Or yeah, because I was like, I need to send a message that this is not okay. <laughs> Pete is a man that sticks to his guns, I'll tell you that, guys. <laughs> Tell you that. But I will also say that in my old age, I have softened to the high five. I believe I have initiated high fives with, uh, with Heather in the past. So. Oh, it's because it's your girlfriend, though. Mm -hmm. I feel like you wouldn't with just anyone. No. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> the, <laughs> the witchcraft of high fives. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I thought you were just going to pretend I didn't talk about high five and say <laughs> speaking of the witchcraft. Uh, we are with the high five at 198 things in this show. So I think we've made it a successful journey, Marissa. 
All right. Granted, I see that we have been on this call for an hour and 20 minutes, but... Oh, no. I'm sorry, everyone. So, in I wanted to talk about two people, and I'll tell you who the two people are when they come up. But um, I wanted to talk about... So, Marissa, I believe you are soon taking a trip to Salem? Supposed to go this Saturday. Okay. Uh, which was the location of the Salem Witch Trials. And uh, I figure a lot of people know what they are. Salem is in Massachusetts. Uh, Well. Was that a joke? Is that real? What just happened? What? I feel like we've discussed this before, but I forgot. That's how you say that state? Yes, yes, we have talked about this. (laughs) Massachusetts? Yep. Mm -hmm. Hey. Why don't you say drawer? <laughs> is that how everyone in your family says it? Yep. It sounds like... I'm sorry. Go on. Massachusetts! Yeah, it's yeah, like a little kid going like, I want to go Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. In 1683, the cows near Ridley Creek, an area of South Pennsylvania, were acting funny. Ooh. Uh, they weren't giving much milk, and livestock was dying at a faster rate than normal. The Dutch and English settlers, who had arrived to this area known as New Sweden, were already disappointed to find that the early Swedish settlers, who called it New Sweden, had claimed all of the best farmland. They were there first. <laughs> and now their livestock was not doing as, as well as they thought it should. So, yeah. the Swedish people are there first. The Dutch and the English show up and they're like, man, this sucks. They got all the good land. In their frustration and the lack of communication with the Swedish settlers who spoke little English because they're Swedish, (laughs) it turned to rumors and accusations. Before long, the community's traditional Finnish healer, a Swedish woman by the name of Margaret Madison, was blamed for all the troubles. She was accused of, quote-unquote, bewitching the animals. And when... Oh, and she was sent to trial for being a witch. Madison's neighbor, Gerto Hendrickson, was charged with the same crime. So those are the two people, the only two witches who were put on trial for being witches... I'm sorry. The only two people (laughs) who were put on trial for being witches in Pennsylvania. I like it. I like it a lot. For so. Henry Drystreet testified that he had... I just wanted to throw these in because I think it's fun. Henry Drystreet testified that he had he had been told 20 years previously that the... or that Margaret was a witch and that she had reportedly bewitched several cows. He also stated that James... What would be the point of that? This, this is a good one. I like this. Uh, he also stated that James Sanderling's mother told him. Now, this is where hearsay comes from, guys. Yeah. He also stated that James Sanderling's mother told him that she bewitched her cow, but afterwards said it was a mistake and that her cow should do well again. Wait, she bewitched her own fucking cow? Uh, Oh, no, this was James Sanderling's mother. Her cow was bewitched by Margaret Madison. (laughs) I'd be with my cow. Yes. <laughs> like I was okay. That would be funny. Now they say that this is not correct because her cows were doing okay, but then they sort of go like, "Oh no, that wasn't her cow. It was somebody else's cow." Oh, I'm anyway. sorry. That's not correct. 
correct because you can't bewitch a fucking cow. Uh, I know a few Dutch and English people who would disagree with you. <laughs> Charles Ashcom, uh, he took the stand to say that Madison's daughter reportedly sold her cattle because her mother had bewitched him. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm getting this so wrong. <laughs> the the daughter, the alleged oh. witch's daughter, sold her cattle to somebody else because the mother bewitched them. Now, okay. at this point, I'm wondering, what does a bewitched cow do? Like, what makes it different? It has, like, um, like hearts in its eyes. He further stated that the daughter also told him of the appearance of a bright light and the visage she'd seen of an old woman standing at the foot of her bed holding a knife. So, this is the alleged witch's daughter saying <laughs> that she saw a bright specter uh, and an old woman standing at the foot of her bed holding a knife. People were so fucking bored back then. <laughs> uh, and this, this is, yeah, this is my favorite one. Anaki Kulin testified that while she and her husband were boiling the heart of a calf that they believed died by witchcraft, uh. Natsen entered their home and advised them that it would be better to boil the bones. What the fuck? Okay. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. Hopefully not. No. No. I guess they thought, well, if the calf died of witchcraft and we burn the, or like we boil the heart, maybe that'll get rid of, I don't know, get rid of it in our other stuff. I don't know. But if you are making broth, you do boil bones so that you can get things out of the, like the flavor and everything out of the bones. So I'm wondering if it's just like these two idiots are in there. (laughs) boiling a heart and Margaret Matz is just like you're supposed to boil the bones <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah I could believe that so William Penn himself gave the closing charge and directions to the jury but what he told them was not transcribed according to the minutes of the provincial count- council dated February 27th uh, 1683 the jury returned a verdict of guilty having the common fame of a witch but not guilty in a matter and form as she stands indicted. Yeah, you told me that was fucking insane. This Explo- means <laughs> the women were guilty of having the reputation of being a witch, but were not guilty of actually performing witchcraft. <laughs> I, if I could be charged for various reputations, <laughs> I'd be in jail right now. This acknowledgement, uh, or I'm sorry, this acknowledged the women's reputation without actually labeling, labeling them guilty as a crime. Hence, the superstitious got uh, enough to have their thinking affirmed, and those less superstitious and justice-minded got what they wanted because the punishment was uh, just a fifty-pound bond, and they would—they had to promise six months of good behavior, and their husbands were in charge of them to make sure oh, that they behaved well. And also, if they behaved for the six months, they got their fifty pounds back. That's really stupid yeah (laughs) okay that's fun i want a museum all about them they should be there should be a salem witch trial-esque museum about them yeah but the interesting part is that gerdo hendrickson the other uh accused doesn't show up at all in the trial papers and i think it's because she actually was a witch and she just erased herself from everyone's memory (laughs) she bewitched the paper there you go 
So that's 200 things, guys. Woo! 200th episode, 200 things, $200. Thank you for listening this long. I mean, <laughs> oof, sorry. <laughs> and if you did and you were like, man, I wish I could get more of this, head over to Patreon. We have stuff coming out three or four days a week. Yeah, it's crazy. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, we drop this episode, and we also drop Marissa's fantasy football fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> fantasy football fuckery is right. Um, uh, yeah, guys. Uh, what's your plug, Pete? Plugs. I want to plug the podcast y'all heard. Aww. We actually have more than 200 episodes listed out on podcast services, uh, so you should check them all out. I'm sorry, how do we have more than 200? Because of when we did our half episodes, I numbered them funny. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, okay. you know what else? Going back to the icebreaker, had fun with Mike Dominic on Zoom. Oh, had yeah. fun with Juan on Zoom, too. Yeah, we did a... We did, oh, man, yeah, Juan parties with, with us late. We had a... We had a a listener Zoom party that was quite fun. If anyone's ever interested in that again, uh, give us a call at 570-POD-WOD-1 and let us know. Um, you don't need to give to our Patreon. We just let listeners come. And uh, I think I was very drunk. We were on Zoom for hours, but yeah. that's not that's not a must. You can leave whenever you want. <laughs> um, speaking of the witches, I would like to... Um, pitch the the witch, but spelled the v- uh, vit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to do the witches on HBO Max. No, no, <laughs> the the v- vit. It's about like Puritans that are exiled from their community. I have definitely plugged this before, but I think it's definitely one of the scariest movies I've seen in a while. Um, it's witchy. It's a period piece. It's very creepy. And, and what do they call the goat? Oh, black. Pete? Racist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my god! So I was telling my parents about it, like, oh, and the goat was the devil or had a demon in it. I'm not quite sure. And then we went to a petting zoo, and boy, I think all goats <laughs> are horrifying. They all look like they're possessed by the devil. That's Ooh. not true. Uh, if you saw the goats I saw, you'd think so. <laughs> Email so call us. us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> call us at five seven zero podwild one. You can also text us there. Uh, thank you, Alex, for texting us that you would listen to our La Brea podcast, which we still haven't decided what to do, but I do have a name for. Um, what would it be? Oh, is it El, El Hoyo? I don't know. <laughs> I should know. I don't know. Yeah, El Hoyo is the pit. Yeah, I was going to go with El Hoyo because, uh, you know, the show can sometimes be the pits. <laughs> I, well, you mean all the time, but yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, guys, yes, I and you can email us, sorry, and you can email us at shout at yallheard.me. Uh, we haven't received an email there yet. So, um, and Mike Venos, as you can tell from this episode, uh, we did get your voicemail. Uh, thank you for messaging us on Patreon, but the Patreon on my phone is logged in as me and not the podcast, so I didn't get a chance to write you back. I'm sorry. And, uh, Thank you for listening to us this long. Hopefully we will be around for, th- oof, I would say 300 more. I don't know about that, but I would at least say 100 more. <laughs> and uh, you can slide into my DMs at Ritz Vandal. And uh, do we have one more show before Halloween? 
Yes. So call us with your Halloween spooky stories. All right. And if you know me, I'm going to be coming for you. Okay, bye. Be safe.